This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. There's a lot for us to talk about, Sydney. There really is, isn't there? There's so much. Yeah. I'm a- There's not much league. No. But there's a lot of things... <laughs> Yeah, guys, it feels like there is no league. But as you said, there is still uh, lots for us to talk about. Uh, not just the Match Day 21 results as well. Uh, but before we get to discussions of paychecks and salaries and uh, all sorts, let's tell you what happened on Match Day 21 Friday. It saw Wesker record their first away win in La Liga since February 2019. They beat Valladolid 3-1, a, a huge win for them. They're only three points from safety now, and they're right back in the uh, the battle to stay up. Uh, Saturday then, uh, Sevilla winning 2-0 at Eibar. Uh, Madrid, Real Madrid, who are Wesker's next opponents uh, this uh, weekend, lost at home to Levante by two goals to one, two uh, very nicely taken goals. Uh, for Levante. It's Madrid's eighth defeat in all competitions this season and that has also given us lots to uh, talk about. Uh, Valencia beating Elche by a goal to nil, a regional derby and a really important win for Valencia which moves them just a bit further away from the relegation places although they're still not completely out of trouble at all. Uh, Villarreal won, Real Sociedad won, a last gasp equaliser for uh, Real Sociedad in a game that they had completely dominated. Yeah. Dani Parejo scoring a brilliant goal to give Villarreal a very, very early lead and that was it from Villarreal. La Real dominated, they really should have won. In the end, they managed to get a point. Sunday saw Getafe and Alaves draw nil-nil. Let's never speak of that again. <laughs> uh, Cadiz 2, uh, Atletico Madrid 4. Uh, two goals for Luis Suarez who just keeps going. He's on to 15 now for the season. 14. 14, 14 in yeah. 15 games, sorry. Um, and uh, he has led uh, Atletico Madrid. They're top of the table. They're 10 points clear and they've got a game in hand as well. Granada nil, Celta Vigo nil and Barcelona beat Athletic Club by two goals to one. The Third, the final instalment of the Barca Athletic Trilogy in the month of January. And uh, usually, you know, the sequels are pretty crap. But yeah. this was a really good game. It was well. good. I still so, think, I mean, I suppose a bit like Star Wars, two. the second one's been the best yes. of the three of them. Yeah, part two uh, in, in the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, Monday, we've got Monday Night Football, Betis against uh, Osasuna. The main talking point off the field as well, uh, the disclosure, the publication of Lionel Messi's contract with Barcelona, which was the front page of the El Mundo newspaper here in Spain yesterday. We'll talk about that uh, in a moment, but first, the football. And the big talking point is Real Madrid's defeat to Levante. I was going to say the big talking point. It's almost like it's not, because it's almost like it's not that surprising. Certainly, I came into this game thinking, and I was on... I was on Real Madrid TV, obviously, that is my that is my day job. I was there and I was trying to sound a word of caution, you know, saying, mm. guys, this is a really difficult game. Levante, they're a good team. They score a lot of goals. Real Madrid have got a lot of players missing. This could be a really tough game. And it was. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that most struck me about this game was that 
as the game headed towards the last 20 minutes, certainly once Levante had got the second goal and they were 2-1 up, but I think even before that, Levante were the better side. Hmm. And they were the better side with a degree of comfort, which was really quite striking. They kept the ball well. They kept it away from Real Madrid. There wasn't even Wait, really... Are you going to hit me with a caveat? No. We should do. The caveat being they had a man extra. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll come on to that. All right. Okay. We can go. okay. All right. You want to... I was going to put that in later on, but I can put it in now if you want. Yes, absolutely. Look, the, the, the... of course, the starting point is that it's against 10 men. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's no escaping that. Um, but I was struck by the way that they kept the ball so well, by how comfortable they seemed to be, how by, by the point at which they were 2-1 up, it didn't really feel like this was going to slip away from them, apart from just the you know the sort of the natural thing of any game that goes into the last five minutes. You think anything can happen, but I felt with Real Madrid that there wasn't really any epic, there wasn't any rebellion, there wasn't a fight back, there wasn't even a pump the ball into the box. Even right at the very end, ninety fourth minute, Thibaut Courtois goes up for a long free kick, but Levante put the line well outside the area, so even that felt mechanical. It mm. didn't feel like it was a real belief in a miracle. It was just like, well, yeah, gone then. It didn't feel at any point like there was really something there that said to you, yeah, Madrid can get back into this. And I say this, as you know, because we've talked about it a million times, as the person who more than anyone believes that Madrid will find a way back in, I'm always saying, oh yeah, but Madrid will do it somehow. And I, even I watched this game thinking, they're not going to, are they? They're, they're just, just Levante felt so much in control. And I was very struck after the game by uh, David Bettoni, who, of course, is Zidane's assistant manager and currently taking the team because Zidane is at home with, with COVID symptoms. Well, I don't know about with symptoms, but with COVID, COVID positive test. And he said, you know, the fans will still believe in us because the DNA of this club is to keep going to the end, is to fight to the very end. And then he said, I don't think there was a problem with attitude. I don't think the performance was bad. And to be honest with you, I don't think any of those th- three phrases fit with this game they didn't go to the end they didn't fight back now I know look maybe you could say it's a one-off but it's not a one-off because they've been beaten by Cadiz they've been beaten by Alaves um they've been beaten by Valencia they've been beaten by help me here who's the other one there's a fourth team and I can't think who it is no Osasuna they drew with Elche they drew with so there is something here that felt like this was as you rightly say not as much of a surprise as it probably should have been hmm Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the the sending off, which which conditioned the game, of right? It does. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to deny deny that. And, and it, Courtois said, I mean, he was asked after the game, said what happened, and his immediate answer was, well, they sent someone off. Yeah. And that is true up to a point. Um, by the way, it's the fastest ever sending off for a Real Madrid outfield player. Wow. In La Liga history, they've had a couple of goalkeepers sent off sooner, uh, but it's the fastest sending off for an outfield player. I still am undecided as to whether it's the right decision. I feel like I feel a bit sorry for defenders who get sent off for things like that because it's not a hack. I think it's him misjudging his run across the player more than an attempt to take him down. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the debate about whether he's the last man. I think that's borderline. I think maybe. Well, it's the kind that, of thing. that's the you just mentioned a key word there, which is why I'm not sure this should have happened at all. Debate. Yes, but, and it shouldn't be a debate. This, this is exactly the point. It's VAR. It exactly. shouldn't be a debate with that's, VAR. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. I mean, anyway. my, my feeling is if the ref gives a red card, it's a red card. If the ref gives a yellow card as he did, it's a yellow card. Yeah. It's not necessarily a VAR thing. Um, but that said, as, uh, as I say, I, I feel like the, the analysis of this game needs to take us away from that because there is something bigger happening. Hmm. 
which is Madrid's incapacity to respond, except it seems when Zidane's on the line, or except on the really big nights, or except when things go their way and they get an early goal, although they got one in this game and it still wasn't sufficient. There, there is something about this Madrid team at the moment... And, you know, I say this and our listeners will know this. I keep saying, yeah, but somehow, somewhere along the line, I kind of trust Madrid to, to do it. And actually, at the moment, I'm not sure I do trust them. A, a lot made of the fact, and you alluded to it, that they... Uh, he took off the front three. Uh, those were the substitutions. Yes. Uh, Edin Hazard, Marco Asensio and Karim Benzema were replaced by Mariano, Sergio Arribas and Vinicius. Right. Um, replacing Hazard with Vinicius, I think makes sense. We've seen that for whatever reason, and obviously we assume it's purely to do with fitness, um, Hazard doesn't play 90 minutes. It just doesn't happen. Um, I don't know if it's necessary. Obviously, they're the ones with the data. They're the ones, you know, the sports scientists at Real Madrid are among the best in the world. They know exactly what they're looking at from that point of view. I don't think it's a tactical decision. I think it is about his physical condition. Whether it should still be the case this far in, who knows? That's another issue. Um, and replacing him for Vinicius, I would also argue, admittedly, Vinicius gives away the penalty in this. When I watch Vinicius play, and I've defended him a lot on this podcast, I always feel like with him, at least something's going to happen, even if it's a penalty against. Do you still feel that? A little bit, because I still feel that, the, to, for example, at the weekend, there's one moment, I can't remember who it is, I think it's Maled, M- Melero. Vinicius is going away, Melero literally just barges him off the pitch, because it's the only way he knows he can stop Vinicius getting away. Because Vinicius is so quick. It's a ball up the right wing and, it's, and, and Vinicius is going to get there and Melero's got no choice, basically, but to take him out. One of my Real Madrid friends said to me, we're not even seeing... We used to laugh at Vinicius for missing chances. He's not even getting those that's chances. True. He's, He's not, not even that, getting into the true. box. He's not. But I, I feel like there's a spark with him, which in truth I don't feel with Hazard. Okay, which you, is bizarre, because Hazard, Hazard is a much better player. There's no doubt about that. You think that spark is still there? I think so. I okay. think it's diminished. I think it's enormously diminished. But I still think just that little moment of pace or of, of something a bit different. But I do think it's been diminished. And I actually think there's a very serious question to be asked about Zidane's handling of him. Mm-hmm. Because he was the bright spark and he's not anymore. And I don't know if, it, if that's emotional, if it's lack of opportunity, if it's physical, if it's all of those things. So anyway, the, the, to go back to the start of this, which was to talk about the free changes. That one I can accept because for whatever reason, we know that Hazard goes off. I must admit, I don't see a scenario in which, when you're chasing the game, in which you take off Benzema at all. And I also don't see a scenario in a game like this in which you take off Asensio, who I thought of the attacking players, was the one most likely to do something. And he's played well in the last four or five weeks. And I, 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 I just don't buy that decision. I, I, I just don't get it. And I also don't get a decision, um, for what it's worth, that I understand the logic that says you've lost a central defender... Let's not mess with the team too much. Casemiro can play kind of a, a centre-back role, but maybe occasionally step out of the back into midfield. I think for a while, that's a, a perfectly rational decision. And look, I say this every time, but I, I do want to stress it. I am not claiming to know more about football than Batoni or Zidane, right? Um, but of course, you know, we from the outside want to judge it. One of the things that I think happened was, as the game got on, Modric and Cruz got so exposed physically because it was two men trying to plug an enormous hole and we know that neither of them wants to be the deep midfielder and I just don't think that worked Mm. I'd almost rather had a defender fewer and have your midfield as it is Mm. Um, but it wasn't to be I mean you know there's other questions about Odria Thola and and so on but but I think those were things that that really struck me as I say the main thing that struck me was this didn't at any point feel like we were going to get an epic comeback Mm. And we didn't. And we got uh, Levante beating Real Madrid again. It's the third time in six matches under Paco Lopez mm. that they've beaten 
Real Madrid. They've also beaten Barcelona three times as well uh, under Paco yeah. Lopez, two, two in La Liga and one in the Copa del Rey. They're He's, a great fun team, aren't they? I really like watching them. Well, Paco Lopez took over. They were, I think they were bottom. If not, they were in the bottom three. It's uh, nearly three years ago now. He's the first Levante manager to take charge of the team for 100 games in the Primera División. And he has overseen them turn into this very yeah. fun team. Yeah, and, and as we've said before, you know, they, they are a team that, that allow you chances at the other end. Yes. But they're one of the teams that are most enjoyable to watch in an attacking sense, not just because they've got good attacking players, which they have, but there's a real kind of collective sense of adventure about them. They keep the ball well, they move it between themselves very well. You look at their second goal, it's a brilliant training ground short corner routine. Admittedly, Madrid's defending of it isn't good. It's, there's a complete lack of intensity, there's a lack of kind of aggression. But we see this a lot from, from, from Levante. When they play well, you get loads of little flicks. You get loads of little kind of clever round-the-corner passes. You get lots of nice movement off the ball. You get quite a lot of nice one-twos. They're a really enjoyable team with a very large pair of Achilles heels, it's true, at yeah. the back. But a lot of fun. And, and, you know, within the context of you're a team that your, your target each year is to survive. Do you know what? If you're going to survive, you might as well survive being fun as well. I mean, they're, they're good to watch. And it very much does look like they are going to survive, although, who knows? Things well, are very it's such tight. a weird league, isn't yeah. it? From, from sort of eighth all the way down to the bottom, it's, it's very tight. It's very tight. But yeah, congratulations to Levante on another victory against Real Madrid, who are almost certainly out of the La Liga title race, as we said. It has been a, mm. a funny, funny season so far, but it looks very difficult for Real Madrid to retain their title. Uh, on to Barcelona against Athletic Club. Uh, Barca beating Athletic by... By two goals to one, um, a marvellous, marvellous free kick yeah, really from, from, from Leo Messi. I'm not sure how much it was worth, but it was. I wouldn't like to put a figure on it. But via preguntita, as, yeah. as, as Antoine Griezmann <laughs> would say. Um, it was, I mean, by the way, you know, and this is what I've been focusing on today, it occurred to me that in the week in which Koeman admitted we can't win the league... Madrid discovered that they can't either, if you see what I mean. So, so Koeman was kind of speaking for both of them, as it turned out. And Barcelona are playing... Uh, are Barcelona playing well? I was about to say they're playing well. I'm, not, I'm still not 100% sure if they are. They're definitely improving. And I thought in the first half of this game, they were, they were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I thought the second half, it drifted from them a bit. They didn't have control. They still don't entirely convince. But, but they're, they're getting there. It makes sense now. And as you say, the, the free kick is brilliant. Um, for those who haven't seen it, obviously, you know, go and try and find a video if you can. But it's a free kick in which Athletic put five in the wall, one lying on the floor behind the wall, and Yerai in that halfway position between the wall and the goal line, running back to be able to stop the ball that goes into that post, which, as Messi looks at it, is the right-hand post, isn't it? And so the goalkeeper covers the left, and he's covering the right-hand post. Messi manages to take it and hit it so well that Yerai still can't get there. I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's done with a kind of a... It's done almost with a nonchalance, isn't it? It's, it's sort of like, boom, all right, there you go. Did you feel that he was particularly more motivated to go out and put in a big performance? I think watching the first half, which I had to watch today because last night I was on in the car listening to it on the radio, he um, he seemed a little bit hyperactive, didn't he? Yeah. He seemed he he. So in that sense, I mean, look, it's easy, it's an easy conclusion to draw, but yeah, he did seem like he had something to prove. Uh, after the publication of. Uh, his, uh, his contract. Uh, wh- what do we make of this? Not necessarily even the contract, but, but the, the fact that it's been leaked. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, a, there's a number of things here. So the basics are that on Saturday evening, El Mundo's front page comes out and it's blank. 
It's been embargoed. Now, for most of our listeners will know, but for those of you who don't, sometimes when a newspaper has a really, really big exclusive, they will not put it on the front page of their first edition, basically to try and ensure that the other papers can't pick it up and run with it for their second and third editions. In other words, to try and protect the exclusivity so that by the following morning, the only place it's in print is in that paper. So they go for an embargo. Now, obviously, normally, you only do this if it's really bloody big. We knew it was about Messi. Well, we didn't. We knew it was about Barcelona, and there was a quote from Messi on the bit that wasn't blanked. So you can sort of sense it might be, and that quote was designed, I think, to make him look like a hypocrite because it says something like, I'm not interested in money. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I play for the love of the game or something like that. Um, so... This is built up and we're thinking this is going to be huge. And to be honest with you, I assumed that this would be maybe to do with Messi, but something really big institutionally, or that they had the place that he was going next. Yeah. And I thought they were they probably the only things big enough to be the front page of El Mundo. So when the, when the story came out that it was his contract and his, the amount he earns, I was slightly underwhelmed in so much as it had been built, built up too much, right? So I was slightly underwhelmed because we all knew that he was in the region of 100 million plus a year and this proves that once you add in all the bonuses and the image rights and so on that it's 100 and potentially 138 at tops each year um that 138 though as i say includes signing on bonuses loyalty bonuses and so on uh there's a basic salary i think it's 61 million euros basic salary a year um so in that sense you know the, the, the figures are huge make no mistake the, the figures are huge and they're miles bigger than even Cristiano Ronaldo or Zlatan or um, Mbappé or Neymar everyone. or whatever by a long long way um, there's a couple of things as you say the first thing is where does this come from because this is without doubt a leak right and then so then you start asking yourself the questions as to who gains from this and I think as well that question goes hand in hand with the other thing, which is not just the presenta- not just the facts, but the presentation of the facts, the interpretation of them, the way that this is put together by the paper. And this is where I must admit, I, I think it's slightly problematic. So the headline was, they use a great word, pharaonico, basically pharaoh-like, in other words, gigantic, you know, enormous. The enormous contract that Messi has, which, is, which has led to the ruin of Barcelona. That's the headline. Now, it doesn't translate perfectly, but um, a ruina about yeah. Barcelona. So it's led to the ruin of Barcelona. So this isn't just them saying, here's Messi's contract and bloody hell, it's huge. It's him saying, he, he is the reason we are in this crisis. Then, and of course, that then goes hand in hand with that question mark about who leaked it. Yeah. In whose interest is it to suggest that Messi is the reason for this problem? Not say, for example, the previous president or his board. <laughs> He's, he's denied it, though. Well, he, he, he has denied it, and, and the, the <laughs> current board have said that it's nothing to do with them. Bear in mind, of course, that a contract, even if there are very few copies of it, gets seen by people, gets seen by lawyers, it gets deposited at the league. There, there are places it could be leaked out from. It's not really in the league's interest. No, it's absolutely not in the league's interest. <laughs> but I think we saw that in the response from Tebas. I also think the way that it was packaged by El Mundo was very um, accusatory. Right. Very accusatory. I mean, a, a colleague sent me a message and just said, all, all that's lacking is them drawing the devil's horns on his head. And, and the way they did the front page with that strip across his eyes, it looks like something out of a crime cartoon, doesn't it? Yeah. And it, it felt like this was 
this was very concerted and some of the pieces that they did they, I think there's seven pieces on him I mean which to be honest I think was a little bit overkill I as mean, well there's more today as well yeah I thought it was a bit that was a bit overkill but some of those pieces there's, there's uh, likening him to a vampire there's the tying it into the uh, illegal referendum and they're very keen to call it illegal which of course El Mundo always are now let's not get into the politics side of it where you stand on that but it was very interesting that they, they kind of drew that parallel um, they refer to him as putting him in a black hole there's a very definite attempt to take this beyond just really great footballer makes obscene amounts of money and mm. um, to make it as him if you like as the res- the man responsible for all of Barcelona's ills in a way that hasn't worked because actually what's happened I think there's been quite a lot of backlash against it yes. there's been a lot of people saying I don't know if you heard Cadenacer last night Flacky's commentary so Luis Flacquer who's the commentator for Cadenacer when he scores he yeah. does basically a tongue-in-cheek ironic um, commentary he says Messi scores he goes what a ruin this guy is yeah. you know what, what a mess what a disaster what a, you know what, look what he's done to this club yeah. and then he starts to say you know you've got to thank him 555 million times which is the total amount of, of, of his salary over these four years of the contract and so there, there are all sorts of questions but I actually think it's probably not entirely gone against Messi hmm Curiously enough. Do you think it makes it more or less likely that he's going to stay? It's a very good question. I honestly don't know. Mm. I guess partly that will depend on who he thinks he's behi- is behind it yeah. and for what reason. I almost wonder, will this make him feel like, because of the size of this, like he wants to make some sort of public gesture towards Barcelona Maybe. effectively? You know, Maybe. almost almost try and make amends. Um, there were some interesting bits of the contract which sort of uh, stood out. One of it being the uh, the loyalty bonus. Yes. Which is a seventy million euro, seventy-seven million, seventy-eight, seventy-eight. It was seventy-seven point nine something. Yeah, yeah. million euro uh, loyalty bonus, which is to be paid in, in two halves. Um, the second of which he's due to get this summer, mm-hmm. when he almost, well, quite possibly won't be at the club. Yes, but they will pay him. At his, and it was written, stipulated in the contract. Even if I'm not there in June 2021, I still must receive 40 million euros yeah. of loyalty bonus. Because he would have completed his contract even yes. if he's then about to walk away from it. Yeah. Um, I think that there's something really important that this made me think. Barcelona are currently in court with Neymar. Yes. over a loyalty bonus yeah the same thing yeah. so this kind of clause clearly is not new it's yeah. not just messy so, no, no, so no. And, and for whatever it's done I mean I find it you know on a kind of gut instinct level it seems absurd What? so the loyalty is that you didn't go so here's a bonus but surely the bonus is the fact that you were still here so we were still paying you if you still <laughs> you shouldn't need to um you, you sort of shouldn't need that bonus although admittedly with Messi I think it's probably worth framing this in, in terms of his hu- entire career so there's a, there's, a, there's a word that they use in the contract which is antiquidath um, a- antiquity is not the right word but you know your, how long you've been there like, I your suppose long- longevity your longevity yeah. I suppose at the club or whatever you want loyalty, I suppose a loyalty bonus but a long term one and of course this long- loyalty bonus has to be seen in that context not just whether or not he goes now yeah. but this is a guy who stayed for 15 years now you may or may not accept that but that's how I think a lot of contracts are, uh, mm. are built the other one that really stands out as well as that one of course is the signing on, signing on fee for this contract which was effectively 115 million euros now that's a way again of building money in and you can call it different things but it doesn't necessarily mean it is that but you can call it various different things the reason why I thought that was striking was because I suppose when you strip it down what you're essentially saying is we're going to pay 115 million euro transfer fee for a player who's already ours Yes. Because that's effectively what you're doing. Yes. Except rather than pay it to a club, we're paying it to him. Yeah. yeah I mean, these aren't eye-watering yeah. amounts of money. As I say, the, then the argument comes, and I've seen it today, particularly from goal, 
um, who of course Ruben Odia, who was one that did the Messi interview in the summer. So, so I think you know there's a there's a connection there. Um, he today has written a piece that I haven't been able to get to grips properly with the figures yet. Um, basically saying, you know, this guy generates this amount of money. The, mm. the real damage to the club is paying however much for someone like Umtiti whose knee is knackered or paying this much for Jeremy Matteo or, or whatever it may be. Funny you should mention Umtiti. Shall we talk about the actual game? Yes, please do, yeah. Because he played. He was brilliant. And well, he... not brilliant, but he was very, very good. Well, he looked like a footballer again. Yes, we exactly. Thought, we, thought he was, we thought he was finished. I, I guess the question with his knee is how long can he do it for? Now, last week, another leak from Barcelona, that report from Ramon Planes, who's the sporting director, yes. was leaked. And in that report, because it was focused on the decision or not to sign Eric Garcia, and by the way, Eric Garcia would currently cost him €230,000 now. Obviously, in the long term, you have to pay more. Uh, Messi makes that in a day, we now know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so, obviously, look, Messi's salary is a problem. There's no two ways about that. Yeah. Whether or not it's the problem is, an, is another issue. Anyway, in his report, one of the reasons why he says, yes, we should go and get Eric Garcia, is because apart from the fact that Eric Garcia, he sees as a market opportunity, which is unusually good, he says, we can't trust Umtiti physically, and Mingetha's not quite good enough. And this is more or less what we've been saying on the podcast, that we both of them are great players, or potentially good players. Um, I mean, Getha might not quite have that level, although maybe with time he'll get there. And Umtiti's problem is physical. And I guess that's the question now, is we know he's good. Can he physically get ready permanently? And I have doubts about this. Remember, like two years ago, I think I said on the podcast, um, his Barcelona career is basically over, because people at Barcelona were saying he, he can can't play anymore mm. I obviously very much hope that that's wrong that with time they can find a, a, a what's the word a treatment or a way of looking after his knee that allows him to play well because without doubt he's the best centre back of that club if mm. he's fit by, by, by some way with the exception of PK who's currently well, long term yes. injured yes yeah. Okay, listen, we're going to move on, but if you've got more questions about Messi, more questions about the actual game as well involving uh, Barcelona and Athletic Club, send us a question and we'll answer it over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We do a Q&A podcast every Tuesday, a bonus podcast every Thursday, and this Friday sees the return of TSFP Presents. Oh, so it does, yeah. Yes, producer Al is back from his uh, paternity leave and we're going to work, restart TSFP Presents so he's more... taking the baby back to the hospital and said here you can have it that's it I'm done, I'm done. I, I want to go back to Phil and Sid I want to go back they to don't Phil cry and quite Sid. as much nearly but not quite <laughs> as much uh, so yeah come and join us patreon.com forward slash TSFP uh, before we talk about Atletico I want a, a very brief mention on Athletic Club who who competed in this game yes. competed very particularly well particularly second half indeed particularly yeah. in the second half something occurred to me I don't know and I hope this isn't the case very much hope this isn't the case but do you think almost winning that Spanish Super Cup might be a bad thing for Athletic Club in terms of the rest of the season? There might be a slight drop-off in what they call tension in, in Spain in terms of their desire, their motivation to keep going. They've won a trophy. Their season is already done. Don't get relegated and it's already a successful season. Is that something that Marcelino will have to perhaps fight against? A bit of, not complacency, but just relaxing now. We've won a trophy. It's, it's a successful season. It's huge season. for Athletic, yeah. Um, I think you've partly given the answer in the question there by saying, is that the thing that Marcelino has to do? Yeah. I think, had this happened with Gaisco Garitano? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think Marcelino allows it. Yeah. And I don't think, I'm not saying necessarily that he doesn't allow it and therefore he's better than Gaisco Garitano. I think that the fact that he's new the fact that this is the beginning of something rather than the end of something. I think with Gaisco Garitano, just by 
time, chronology, yeah. it would mean, okay, we've reached this point, that's it. But this is the beginning of something. Bear in mind, they're still in the Copa del Rey. Yeah. And if you saw Inigo Martinez post-game last night, who, by the way, I don't know if I was looking too hard for this because I know what Marcelino's like. I thought he looked slimmer <laughs> already. Yeah. I mean, he, I was re- quite, he was always quite, always quite broad, quite muscular. I thought yeah. he looked slimmer last night yeah. already. I mean, it might not be... You know, it might be that I'm looking for it because I know that Martino is absolutely obsessed with weight. Um, and he said, he was asked sort of, I can't remember if the question was actually about targets, but for whatever reason he got onto the question of targets and he actually dared to say that you have to chase a European place. Yeah. Which I thought was very bold because I don't think Athletic are quite good enough for that. But hey, maybe with Marcelino they will be. Maybe. All right. Uh, Athletic coming through at the top of the table, beating Cadiz by four goals to two and... Effectively ending the league title race in January, Sid. What is this? This is Spain. <laughs> we shouldn't be like this. I Liga. Um, I, I mean, look, we've seen weird shit happen. Yes. But no one has come back from a lead this big. No. Projected targets, um, projected from current points totals, 100 points for Atletico Madrid, yeah. 76 for Madrid and Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, it's a long, long way back. Right? Even I can do those maths. That's 24. I did have to work it out for a moment there. Right. Um, and it's, that's really, really significant. Now, look, will Atletico Madrid maintain this, this level of performance? Possibly not. But you're now looking at at least four games in which you pick up more points than them between mm. now and the end of the season. And there's only 18 games left. Yeah. It, that's a big ask, even for Madrid and Barcelona. And the way they're playing also, it's not just about can they get these points or can Atletico give them the chance to get these points? Will they even get them? And the way they're playing right now, you think, well, maybe not. Also, the other thing is, at what point do they think they're gone? Now, as I said, Koeman said at the weekend, we're not in a position to, 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 to challenge for many trophies. If he's already thinking that, and Madrid lost at the weekend, so they're on the same number of points, they've been caught by Barcelona now, which I think actually is pretty embarrassing from Madrid's point of view given the way that we talked up the crisis at Barcelona and in truth in Madrid there was a kind of a little bit of a tendency to say ah, let's laugh at Barcelona um, at what point did Madrid give up as well knowing that the squad is short or at least prioritise other things particularly the Champions League now maybe not now but in a couple of weeks time yeah. well, there, that, are, there isn't anything else well that's what I mean and so <laughs> when that happens yeah. it's not just that they're 10 points behind it's that they might slip further so I'm not saying it's done because football has taught us a million times to never say it's done but it's about as close as it could be at this stage of the season uh, Atletico coping of course without Mario Hermoso without Carrasco without uh, Trippier as well and still playing three at the back yes uh, I must admit I was slightly surprised by this because um, I mean we talked a few weeks ago about the significance of Trippier in the, in the mechanics of the team I think Mario Hermoso has been the best defender in Spain this season I think he's really important for how they bring the ball out and I thought they would miss him I thought the fact that they tried a couple of things that didn't work to replace Trippier and then looked like they might have found a solution with Carrasco and then he was out meant, well, what are you going to do? They went for Llorente as a wing-back. Now, he has the legs for that, but he's a player who wants to be released by the guy behind him, not be trying to release people in front of him. Um, but it worked reasonably well this time around. I mean, they scored four goals, albeit they conceded two, which is pretty unusual for them. And strangely enough, they struggled with crosses last night. Mm. Yeah, Cadiz started bobbing the ball into the box. Yes. And actually, Atletico looked much less comfortable with it than you Well, the second goal they conceded was uh, pretty shambolic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's, it's kind of curious. Um, but look, they're in a really, really strong position. I still think they are due some sort of dip because I think they're kind of overperforming slightly at the moment in terms of results. But the thing is, they've got themselves such a big cushion that they can have a dip now. Mm. They can have a huge dip. Yes. They can fall down a big hole. 
Yeah. So long as I got a ladder to get back out again. Well, they've got Luis Suarez. He he's uh, uh, the 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 post game interview was with him was nice, both with him and with Simeone, because um, Simeone said, um, "Yeah, we were training the other day, and we were just kind of talking about how no one scored a free kick for us for years." <laughs> And, and, and genuinely, this is how Simeone portrayed it. I don't know if it was quite as kind of off the cuff as this. And Luis sort of said, well, I used to take him. Oh, well, you have a go then. <laughs> and Luis goes and scores this absolutely belting free kick. He's after, asked about it post-game, Luis, and he says, well, you know, I, I used to take one or two at Liverpool, which, of course, he did, and some pretty good oh, ones yeah. as well. So, but obviously, at Barcelona, Leo was there. I saw a stat this morning. I really hope it's right, because I've repeated it. Um, the, the, this is the first time he scored a free kick since 2016. So he has done it at Barcelona, but presumably only in that first season. Um, unless, of course, it was the back end of the... At the start of the second season. Um, actually, hang on. 2016 is his second season, isn't it? So he might have been in the second season. But anyway, it doesn't take many. And he, I think what we're seeing with Suarez, maybe, is... With this free kick, but also with some of the other things he's doing, is a if you like a re-recognition if there is such a word of the fact that he's got quite a lot of technical ability as well I think for a long time certainly at Barcelona because he was surrounded by Neymar and Messi and players like that we, he, we tended to look at him as a, as a physical player as a character player and I think sometimes his technical ability was overlooked I've had this conversation um, with him uh, some time ago now obviously but, but about this and, and Luis himself sort of sees himself almost as a donkey he sees himself as a guy who's made it because he runs around a lot and because he's tough rather than because he's technically gifted but you look at the quality of his finishing hmm. and his free kick is another good example and, and, and that part of his game technically at least is, is very very good indeed uh, Talking of physical players Alvaro Negredo scored twice in this game 35 years a lot of problems yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 I mean look I still look back on Negredo and, and, and remember him that season at Almeria. Almeria yeah. And that's the he's never been that good mm. again at any point in his career. He's had good seasons, but never, you know, that season he just I'll put this in a very British way, shall I? Yeah. He just kicked the shit out of people. Yeah. Sorry, know? Indian iTunes. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. But he would If be, you swear we're not allowed on Indian oh, iTunes, Sid, then we've told you this. I said he kicked the kit out of people. Yes. Uh, you might have misheard me. Yes. I definitely didn't say that other word. Good. He kicked the kit out of people. Yeah. He was this kind of big um, a kind of a combination and at the time the perfect combination of the strong striker who could go back to goal but also front to goal so he could back into the defenders and yeah. receive on his chest yeah. nudge them out of the way bring others into play but he could also do that thing where he could turn and go beyond them yeah. and run past them I think he probably can't do Not that so part much of the game now. exactly yeah. he probably can't do that part of the game now but he's still got the, the brains he's still got the, a bit of the physique because he's still strong yeah I, I, I really like him the beast of Vallecas yes yeah yeah. Uh, there we go listen we've um, run out of time but before we go just to let you know quickly what happened in the Segunda speaking of Vallecas there was a, a huge win for Rayo who came from 2-0 down at half time to beat Espanyol 3-2 two of those three goals absolutely brilliant uh, EC and Johnny Montiel scoring uh, two golazos a fantastic win for Rayo Mallorca are top they're three points ahead of Espanyol now after beating Girona 1-0 third place down Maria beat Castellón 3-1 Zaragoza are out of the relegation zone for now oh wow and Oviedo were beaten 1-0 at Albacete so that's not great. Uh, this week it's Copa del Ye. It's Copa del Ye quarterfinal time. Tuesday you've got Almeria against Sevilla. Then on Wednesday it's Levante Villarreal and Granada Barca. Thursday it's Betis against Athletic. Uh, we'll have a QA pod out tomorrow on patreon.com forward slash TSFP. A bonus pod later this week talking those Copa del Rey quarterfinals and a long awaited final episode of TSFP Presents Fabulous Foreigners 2. So, uh, Which come country and join are we us. doing? 
you'll have to join us to find Ooh. out. It's a, it's a secret. We don't know yet. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> we haven't worked out, out which country's got sufficient players yeah. to make it worthwhile. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be good. It'll be great. Come and join us. If not, don't worry. We'll be back here as ever every Monday. Adios. Cheerio. Network.